And that's what I like to do in the work that I'm doing is help to identify, okay, based on how you're drinking and how you're feeling it being unmanageable, how do we start to make changes in that biochemical piece for you that can help you manage that social situation that can help you manage that stress situation differently. Hello, friend. It's Wendy Valentine, your hostess with the Midlife Mostess, coming at you live from the RV. Welcome to the Midlife Makeover Show. If you are ready to get unstuck, take courageous action, and reclaim your life, I am the wild and wise woman for you. Let me tell you, I've been there. I've gone through divorce. I was at a job I definitely didn't love. I've lost some amazing people in my life, and I have cried buckets of tears along the way. The great news is that I've made it through to the other side. Oh yeah. My breakdown became my breakthrough. I know your greatest breakthrough is on the other side of saying yes to life. It's time to stop being stuck and stop playing small. It's time to go from surviving to thriving. If you're done living a life that doesn't set your soul on fire, this is the podcast for you. Let's get this midlife party started, shall we? Welcome to episode 14 of the Midlife Makeover Show. It's hard to believe that I have recorded 14 episodes so far. It's also hard to believe how much work goes into each little episode. I actually heard a statistic, I've never been able to say that word right, statistic the other day that on average, a podcaster will quit before recording only 10 episodes. Oh my gosh. So I am super proud of myself for sticking with something that is so challenging. And I assure you that this little podcaster and fellow midlifer of yours is in it to win it. No matter how much work I must do, I am committed to helping my fellow midlifers get through the muck of midlife. The cool thing is that I don't think of it as work at all. I actually love every second of it. For 35 years, wow, 35 years, I have done work that I didn't love, and now I am finally getting to do what I love. This might sound corny, you guys, and I'm okay with that, but feeding your soul feeds my soul. Helping you in your life helps me in my life. So the fact that you are here listening to the show really means a lot to me. I hope and pray that you get something out of every show to motivate you, inspire you, and move you to create a badass life for yourself. You deserve that. If there is one thing that you get out of this episode alone, it's that I want you to realize how much you deserve to create the life that you want. You need to grant yourself permission to be who you want to be and create the life that you want to create. I would like to take this opportunity to read some recent reviews of the podcast. The following review is titled, I am loving this podcast. I love that. And this listener says, Wendy brings such amazing energy to every conversation and hosts a great roster of experts on every topic important to midlifers. It is a must listen if you are in midlife and facing challenging transitions. You will receive both valuable guidance and a nice dose of levity too. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much to uh, whoever wrote that. Thank you. Thank you. Here's another review titled, Feel So Good. And this listener says, I am definitely at midlife and going through a lot of big negative things right now. But Wendy's posts and podcasts make me feel like I can get through it and be 1000%, I like how she's thinking, more fabulous on the other side. I look forward to her humor, she's hilarious, why thank you, and golden nuggets of motivation every day. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is why I do what I do to help people like that get to the other side and feel good again. I love it. Speaking of reviews, I would greatly appreciate it if you can leave a review for the show. It means a lot to me. 
It helps the Midlife Makeover Show get ranked higher and therefore be seen by more people, which in turn allows me and the Midlife Makeover Show to help more midlifers. All you have to do is go to Apple Podcasts, pull up the show, The Midlife Makeover Show, scroll down to the very bottom and click on Write a Review. Thank you so much in advance for doing that for me and all the midlifers out there in need of a little midlife love. Before we move on to today's incredible interview, I want to remind everyone that you still have time to submit your entry for my gift of transformation, which ends on July 15th. I think that's Friday, right? Yeah. The gift of transformation is valued at $1,800, holy moly and includes five free private coaching sessions, my Midlife Makeover Method online course, and you get to be a guest on the Midlife Makeover Show. Groovy! If this gift is something you would like to receive, here's what you need to do. Send me an email at hello at wendyvalentine.com and just simply let me know in a few sentences where you're at in your life and why you need a midlife makeover. My team and I will look at all the entries and we will decide who is the lucky midlifer to receive this gift of transformation. I am taking entries until July 15th, so get that email sent to me ASAP. Now on to today's interview with Dr. Brooke Scheller, a doctor of clinical nutrition with over 12 years of experience and quotes in top wellness publications, including Well Plus Good, Mind Body Green, and Birdie. After working as a consultant to health and nutrition brands, Brooke got the opportunity to write a chapter in a textbook on using nutrition as part of the treatment for alcoholism. She took her last drink shortly after seeing all the research linking alcohol to dysfunction in the body, and she now specializes in alcohol's effects on your brain, gut, and hormones. Please welcome Dr. Brooke to the show. Enjoy. Dr. Brooke Scheller, welcome to the Midlife Makeover Show. We are so happy to have you here. So tell us a little bit about what you do and why you do it. Yeah. So first of all, thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm, I'm really looking forward to our conversation and I love the bubbly energy that you bring to the space. And I think that's important for what I talk about as well, because I think when people hear about alcohol, uh, you know, we get a little defensive on maybe that's something that we don't want to talk about or take away or have to um, dive too much deeper into. But it's been a really great uh, opportunity for me to leverage my passion of nutrition, functional medicine, really diving into the root cause of why we experience what we experience, why we experience the symptoms that we do and health conditions that we do, and really starting to look at not only how alcohol can be playing a role in the symptoms that we experience, but for those of us who are looking to change our relationship with alcohol, to dive a little bit deeper into that experience it's important to also look at why we might be having cravings that we do, why we might have tendencies towards uh, drinking too much on certain occasions. And of course, there's such a variety of how people identify when it comes to their alcohol use. And so, you know, the conversation is, uh, the space is so ripe for this conversation for us to just speak a little bit more openly about how alcohol affects us uh, and affects our daily life, our health, et cetera. So I'm, I'm super glad to be here to talk more to your audience about it today. I love it. So what made you go into this particular niche uh, with addiction, with alcohol? So it's a great question and one that I typically, you know, get when I first start these conversations. I was a big drinker for a long time and have a pretty extensive background in nutrition, functional medicine, have about 10 years of training, a bachelor's, a master's, and a doctorate all in nutrition. And throughout my training, I was always very interested in depression, anxiety, mental health disorders, as well as addiction, because those are different areas um, that I've, I've personally had experience with in my family. Mm -hmm. And so I was always interested in how foods can change our mood, how foods can, you know, uh, reduce our anxiety, how cutting out certain foods and how maybe they affect the gut can contribute to anxiety. 
And in 2020, I had the opportunity to write a chapter in a textbook on complementary and integrative approaches to substance use disorders. Nice. And and during that time, it, it gave me the opportunity to, again, take my background, but really start to dive into the research of what are we saying today about nutrition and substance use? What are we saying about supplements and how those can, can be a factor as well? And uh, ironically, and this wasn't, uh, it wasn't planned, but in June of 2021, when the book published, I quit drinking. Mm. And so it became this really interesting experience of how I could start to apply some of this information to my own experience and relationship with alcohol. And when I started diving into it more and more, it became really clear to me that there are these pathways in which our body can maybe be deficient in certain nutrients, can have disruption to our gut health, how our hormones and our stress levels play a role, to really start to talk about the biochemistry and the physiological components of addiction and not just addiction, but how, again, we decide to choose or use alcohol in our daily lives. And so, you know, there's so much in the recovery space and in uh, now what we call the sober curious space of people starting to say, ah, maybe I want to drink less or start to address my relationship with alcohol to say, you know, there's a lot of mental health components to it. A lot of it is therapy. It's, uh, you know, in in recovery programs, for example, we're talking about uh, addressing, you know, our underlying traumas and issues and things like that. But not a lot of us are speaking about what's going on biochemically in -hmm. our own body that is maybe contributing to that as well. So that's been a really important part of my discovery process and has become a really big passion of mine to say, how do we get this information to more people? Because it's a really unique way into the conversation about alcohol use. Yeah. And it's, you know, they say you are what you eat or mm-hmm. and drink, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and it's so important. Like when you, even for myself, I try to eat very healthy and it's like, but I do think about that. And, and I think the more aware you become, the more in tune you are with your body, then you realize, okay, if I eat this, it might make me feel this way. And some people might just go ahead and go for it anyways, if they know that it might, you know, have a negative effect on them. So I'm curious, did you actually, did you go cold Turkey or did you kind of like just ease off of the alcohol? So I went cold turkey. Um, my experience with alcohol, I had been a heavy drinker since, you know, a teenager, early 20s. And it's a progressive situation for many of us. Um, you know, we start, I think, simply drinking on the weekends, and that starts to, you know, sneak into during the week. And I lived in I live in New York City. And at the time I was working for a startup company where alcohol was very prominent and we were going out to happy hours. And it was the situation where alcohol was around if you were willing to drink it. And so it started to progress more and more where I felt like I didn't necessarily have the same degree of control Mm -hmm. that I previously had had. And so in my situation, it, it was right for me to completely eliminate it where in other situations, you know, people can cultivate that new relationship. But you bring up a great point, Wendy, in saying that I think a lot of us think about our diet, we think about what we're eating, and we almost like take alcohol out of the mix. And in my experience, previously working in clinical practice for many years, you could tell people to take every supplement in the book, try every new lifestyle modality and new and interesting health and wellness idea. But if you ask them to take their alcohol away, it was, uh, nope, I'm not doing it. Right. Because it's how we cope with our stress for a lot of us. It's how we get through social situations. It's very, very linked into our relationships, our friendships, our families. And even I was speaking to my sister, who's in the health and wellness space today as well, even in our religious and cultural sense, you know, depending on where you live in the world, you may have grown up uh, with a family who drank or with a religion that included wine at, Mm -hmm. at the table. And so it's so ingrained to our habits. And I think what many of us forget is that it's a toxin. 
Right. And when we put yeah. it into our body, it it does have negative effects. It's not necessarily just a null substance, but it can be something that is contributing to fatigue, to hormone imbalances, to gut imbalances, headaches, basically you name it. And there can be a link back to alcohol if you consume it regularly enough. Yeah. And you know, there was a statistic, uh, and you might even know more about this. I think it was like since COVID, it's, there's been an increase. I think overall, we all know that, but it was, I think specifically in women, it was like even 40% higher now, you know, which obviously that's leading to more health issues and yeah. yeah. It was a a 41% increase. I know the study that you're, you're mentioning and, you know, part of it is COVID and part of it is staying home, a change to our lifestyle. Many of us, especially in the beginning of COVID, I think picked up our drinking. And one way that I related to it recently is we all kind of thought it was going to be a week or two. Yeah, I know. You know? I and so we were like, oh, this is fun for, yeah, for a week or yeah. two. This is great. Yeah. But after two months, six months, yeah. a year, two years, And again, the more that we put alcohol into our system, the more basically we rewire our brain to seek that for pleasure and to have that kind of need and desire. So when we have a triggering situation like COVID, you know, it can definitely be an instance for us to drink more frequently. And I believe, especially in women, that we took a lot of the burden of as the family, as the caretaker, you know, kids are now homes, basically homeschooling. The stressors are very, very different in that, you know, we still have a job or a career. We're now taking care of the kids all day long. We're now taking care of the husband all day long, maybe. And so it really shifted our environment in a way that contributed to a lot more stress uh, on top of a, a stressful load that was already there to begin with. Yeah. So, so speaking of with women, um, and obviously with, you know, the midlife makeover show, I've got midlifers, which means Mm -hmm. women at menopause, most of them are perimenopause, whatever. So let's talk about that and how much alcohol can affect your hormones and especially menopause. Yeah. So it's a great question and it, it, Alcohol also affects men, but I think as women, we take a lot more of the burden because we have so many changes hormonally happening, not just on a regular basis if you're premenopausal, but as we're perimenopausal going into menopause, there's of course a disruption in hormones and a massive change that's happening during that time that many of us and many women tend to use alcohol to help deal with that. You know, there's statistics around the increase of uh, depression and anxiety during those times, changes to mental health that can occur during those times. And so I think we tend to gravitate more towards alcohol to cope with that when there can be a negative effect that's happening. So I'll first explain that there's kind of these three key areas that I focus on with my work uh, when it relates to alcohol and nutrition or functional medicine. So the first is our blood sugar. And Mm -hmm. our blood sugar is very affected by regular alcohol use. The statistic is actually that about 95% of regular alcohol users have disruption in their blood sugar patterns. Mm -hmm. So the reason why this is important for everyone, but also women in this age group, is because we have the tendency to um, have changes to our blood sugar already based on changes in hormones and changes in our cortisol levels. So there's a very big linkage here with when we are experiencing low blood sugar, which can be based on how we're eating, how frequently we're drinking alcohol, but also can just be happening as part of that hormonal change process that sometimes our low blood sugars can actually, what people typically think low blood sugar does is causes us to crave sugar and carbs. But if we are regular drinkers and we have that low blood sugar, it can also cause a craving for alcohol. Mm. And so this is important for us as we think about how we eat throughout the day, how we're structuring our diet, Um, having enough protein is one of those really simple takeaways for people that by having protein at every meal and snack throughout the day, we can better balance our blood sugar and stave away some of those low blood sugar dips 
that can happen if we're eating high sugar, high carb type of diet. Right. So this is an interesting one. And I know as I was listening to one of your other podcasts, Wendy, because I know um, you've spoken about intermittent fasting on the podcast. Oh, yes. Before, yeah. Uh-huh. Which is not necessarily my favorite way to structure a diet. Some yeah. people do really well on intermittent fasting and others don't. Yeah. And oftentimes women have greater challenges with it because of that hormonal fluctuation that we experience. Mm-hmm. Whereas men, they don't typically have the same type of hormonal changes. Right. And so they do a little bit better on an intermittent fasting plan. And women, if there's more hormonal disruption, can have a more difficult time with managing cravings, uh, stabilizing blood sugar if they're doing intermittent fasting. So I think that's important to mention to this audience because sometimes we feel that if we've tried something like that and we don't succeed, that it's a failure, that we're not able to do it because, you know, we don't have the willpower or whatever that might be. However, what I always like to remind people is it just might not be what's right for your body. Right. And so I think it's really important to to consider this as we start to think about everybody's body is different. Mm -hmm. uh, And and that's an important part of this process as well. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that. I mean, there's, as you know, there's so many fad diets out there. Do it this way. Eat this. Don't eat that. And I was, so I, I shared with you, I used to own some functional, you know, medicine practices and, and I used to help a lot of the patients with starting like a detox, although the detox was really just a normal way of eating. But what was funny is that they'd have their list of like all the things they couldn't eat. And they're like, well, but there's nothing left to eat. I'm like, it's actually the largest aisle in the grocery store. You can have anything you want there. You know, it's like, and eat as much as you want, but vegetables and, you know, fish or chicken. And and that's the thing too, kind of going back to what I said, it's like being mindful of like, oh, I ate this chicken. I don't think my body likes chicken or my body loves fish or my whatever. And then I think that's when it's like conscious eating of learning what works for you, what doesn't work for you. And, and I love what you said too, about like with your body is already, even if you ate absolutely perfect. And if you're going through menopause or wherever you're at in life, it's already like being taxed by having to go through so much. So why not help it out a little bit, (laughs) right? Instead of like pouring more things in it that it's going to have to work overtime. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and you said a few really key things there, Wendy. And, And first is there's so much to learn, even by writing down what you eat for a couple of days. Yeah. Because I think sometimes it feels like such a chore for us. And, you know, I have the education and nutrition and it's even a chore for me to Mm -hmm. write my food in a journal. Right. So it's not necessarily something that people love to do on a regular basis, but even committing to three days or five days of writing it down or downloading an app and saying, okay, I had breakfast at this time and I felt tired by 11 p.m. Right. Or maybe I had an irregular bowel movement, or maybe mm-hmm. I, um, you know, had a bout of anxiety that occurred in the afternoon. Right. Writing that down and starting to see, oh, wow, maybe I did have a lot of sugar at that time. Mm-hmm. And maybe that contributed to that symptom. So there's yeah. a lot that can be learned in that very simple suggestion because everybody's body is unique. We all yeah. have these different you know, levels of hormones, different ways our blood sugar reacts. You know, we have uh, nutrient deficiencies that maybe contribute to our energy patterns or hormone imbalances. And so those simple things can be really, really beneficial. Um, and, and again, it's something that we can all do. It's a free to do. It's, uh, you know, and trying those different diets, I think can place a lot of stress and burden on us because we feel like we have to eliminate so much, or we have to structure ourselves too much. And you're right. It's really about more whole foods, Mm -hmm. more fiber, more protein, um, and thinking of it less as a diet, but more of that general way of living. Yeah. Just the way of eating. Yeah. Just nice, clean eating. And it's like, again, you know, it's like 
you are what you eat and drink. So then therefore it's like, you have to really pay attention. And we all like, whatever we go out, we have fun. It's like, you all kind of fall off a little bit. Okay, whatever. Then you get back to it, you know? So it's like, and I think that's the thing too. It's like, sometimes we feel guilty. Like, oh my God, I shouldn't have made those brownies last night and had those brownies. Right. It's okay. Like, and the thing is like, I, I feel like if you're majority of the time, if you're eating healthy, then your body can handle some brownies and it's not going to be that big of a deal as opposed to like, if you're eating brownies every other day, then it's really going to have a hard time, you know? Um, so let's talk about gut health. Cause since, as you know, that's what it, didn't they call that the second, second brain. Second brain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So to segue into that, I'll just touch on something that you mentioned about, um, you know, choosing things or maybe feeling stressed out that we have had had the brownies or we had had, you know, the cheat meal. And I don't even like to think of things in the sense of cheat meal, because I think it does still create that experience of deprivation. And, you know, that we, that this becomes an additional stressor. I mean, we don't need any more stresses in our lives. Right. Right. Yeah. But the other thing that I talk a lot about blood sugar that also leads into gut health is, you know, when we start to think about these biochemical patterns and changes that are happening in our body, whether that be in our blood sugar, controlled by changes in our hormones, in our brain uh, neurotransmitters, is that we put a lot of burden on ourselves when we can't do something right. And we beat ourselves up saying, I just don't have the willpower. I've tried to cut back drinking or I've tried to say no to the brownies and I just don't have the willpower. Mm -hmm. And the reality is that when we start to identify that maybe it is a blood sugar uh, imbalance or maybe it is a hormonal imbalance, that it goes beyond the willpower, that it's our body sending these signals saying your blood sugar is low and you need something to increase it, Right. right? And so it's not just our inability to say no, but our body sending those signals. So if we can better manage those signals by, again, eating more protein, structuring our diet maybe in a way that can better manage those fluctuations, then it makes it easier for us to say no, right? right? So it's not just about, eh, I don't have the willpower to do Mm -hmm. it. It's just that maybe there's a deeper thing going on that we can support and manage. Yeah. So that... Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was just going to say, so that also leads into the the gut health topic. Yeah. I was just going to say really quick too. It's like our bodies are really smart. If we listen to them, you know, like your body will tell you everything you need to know. You just stop and listen instead of, you know, we, we go on autopilot. I feel with our eating and we're running around and grab this, grab that instead of like stopping to take a minute to think about what it is that you're actually putting into this only body that you're going to have here, you know? So, um, yeah, gut health, which is so important. Yeah. And this has been a a great topic since I've started speaking about it in relation to alcohol, because there's a few things that will happen when we drink alcohol on a regular basis in the gut. And I will talk through those, but first I will just say that, as you mentioned, Wendy, we've now know started calling the gut the second brain. And essentially what that means is that research shows that there is, we used to think that the brain was really the control center of our body, that the brain was signaling the rest of the body to do, you know, everything at will. I'm moving my hand and that's because of the brain. Right. What they're now finding is that the brain and the gut are connected through a series of nerves and that the majority of the communication from the brain to the gut is actually from the gut to the brain. So the brain, or excuse me, the gut is sending signals to our brain that then is sending signals outward to the other parts of our body. Wow. So the reason why that might be is because the gut is uh, really home to trillions of different bacteria, different types of yeast, uh, parasites, bacteria, viruses, for example, that all make up what we call the microbiome. And the microbiome is um, basically these bacterial colonies. And the most simple way that I explain it is in the gut microbiome, we have good bacteria and we have bad bacteria. Mm -hmm. Our good bacteria is what we often think of as our probiotics. 
Mm-hmm. So again, if we think about probiotics, pro is good. I think many of us have heard about probiotics and some of the potential benefits of taking them. And the reason why they're important to take is because we want to keep a, a balance of the good and bad bacteria in the gut. Mm-hmm. When we are consuming a diet that is high in sugar or carbohydrates, when we are consuming a lot of alcohol, when we are consuming or taking antibiotics on a regular basis, there's many things that can change the balance of the microbiome. But what can happen is that bad bacteria starts to overgrow Mm -hmm. and then starts to cause disruption in the gut that can again send signals out to other parts of the body. So Mm -hmm. changes in the gut microbiome have been associated with things like hormone imbalances, um, immune system dysregulation. So whether that be, um, you know, a weakened immune system or an autoimmune disease that is also very common uh, in in women around these ages, Uh, other things like skin manifestations. So that could be acne, that might be eczema or psoriasis, you know, fatigue, joint pain, uh, inflammation in other areas. And then of course, digestion, it's going to change our digestive health. And so this is important because again, alcohol shifts that microbiome balance towards more of these bad bacteria. But there's also a study that shows that some of those bacteria actually signal for cravings for alcohol because they feed off of it. So again, when we think about it this way, in in terms of willpower, when we think about blood sugar, the gut microbiome, it's much more out of our control than we might originally think it is when we are trying to say no to having a drink. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. The other big thing that happens when we drink alcohol on a regular basis is it contributes to leaky gut. Mm-hmm. And so this may be something that you've spoken about on the podcast yeah. before as well, because it's it's quite common to happen, but alcohol as a toxin in our system contributes to that leakiness within the gut. Um, some even say that even a single drink can start to contribute to, um, you know, the, the cells to start to open up a little bit, which contributes to that. And that again is a main contributor to autoimmune diseases. So especially if you're listening and you have an autoimmune disease, I see a lot of women who have a, a heavy history of drinking, uh, Mm -hmm. and that can precede that, but also make it worse if we are continuing to drink. So I was just thinking too, like you said, the gut is signaling the brain, then obviously the brain's being affected from the alcohol too, right? Yeah. So there's a few ways and and some of that links back to the gut in that the gut also produces serotonin, a large percentage of our serotonin, which is one of our brain's feel-good hormones. Um, It also contributes to how we absorb nutrients and how we're basically absorbing the foods and things that we're consuming. But one way that I talk about the the brain is kind of the third area that I focus on. And a lot of the work that I've been doing lately is actually about how important certain nutrients are for the development of our serotonin and our dopamine in our brain. And again, those are our two feel-good hormones. They require, in order for us to make them naturally in our brain, they require um, amino acid precursors, which are from proteins that we eat. They also require certain vitamins and minerals. So things like vitamin B12, folate, vitamin C. And the thing about this is that when we drink alcohol on a regular basis, one of the really well-known things that alcohol does is it depletes our nutrients. Mm, And so we end up deficient in the B vitamins that not only help our brain produce these important feel-good neurotransmitters, but also our energy production pathways. We need all of these nutrients in order to just efficiently run, you know, the car that is our body. It's essentially the gasoline that helps fuel it. And so, you know, even things like vitamin D and magnesium, things that we're talking about much more openly now that are deficient uh, in people's diets, but also really important for, again, immune health, uh, reducing inflammation, all those other things that we, when we're drinking on a regular basis, we are depleting those nutrients down pretty rapidly. Yeah. And then, so I'm curious with you, um, did you, did you have some issues prior, you know, like when you were drinking and then did you notice some of those problems went away or how did you feel, you know, after a week or two weeks of not drinking? 
Yeah. So it's a great question. And, you know, everybody's body is different. So I would love to say that, you know, if you quit or cut back that in a week, you you feel the difference. Mm-hmm. In my particular case, I was experiencing a lot, experiencing a lot of anxiety and low mood, depressive type of symptoms that was worsening the more that I drank. Mm-hmm. I would rate my anxiety was probably somewhere around an eight or a nine in those days. And within probably three weeks to a month, I would say my anxiety dropped to a three. Wow. And this is because alcohol contributes to anxiety and depressive type of symptoms. We are essentially burning out our brain's feel-good hormones. We are contributing to these changes in blood sugar, these changes in hormones that again, regulate our mood health, regulate our ability to think clearly, to process our stress, to kind of move through life regularly. And a lot of people experience anxiety and depression as a side effect of drinking. Mm -hmm. I know many a woman that has Uh, you know, said after a night out, you know, I have anxiety or I feel, you know, in the dumps today. And so, you know, even if it's once a month or a few times a month that we're doing that, you know, it affects our, our social life. It affects our ability to work. It affects our ability to be there for our family and friends. And so there's a lot of clarity that comes with eliminating the substance that, you know, might be fun for the time. And, and right. again, is such a part of our life and our culture. But I can say for myself and a lot of the people that I work with that the feeling of clarity that we get um, mm-hmm. from alcohol is much greater than what we experience, you know, the night of drinking, for example. Right. Yeah. And you, you had mentioned you had um, addiction in your family. Mm-hmm. Um, I did as well. Actually, my brother passed away about a little over three years ago from addiction. Mm -hmm. So I saw the extreme end of addiction. Um, And you can tell, I mean, it's like just having watched someone, um, you know, battle with addiction. And then you can see how it might seem like, oh, you're just having a drink here and there, but then eventually how your body ends up taking over. And then it's just an awful thing to see. But that might be the extreme end, you know, of the of the spectrum. But then I think a lot of times we, even as society, because it's such a common thing, you go out drinking, have a little glass of wine here and there, but we kind of overlook that of just the casual drinking and how much that even too can affect your body and your mind and your spirit and your, oh my gosh, everything. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, mm-hmm. there's there's a few things to be said in that realm in that it's such a spectrum. You know, yeah. there really is a, a wide range of what alcohol use might look like. And that might look like heavy usage daily, you know, disruption of our ability to, you know, work and mm-hmm. have, have family, have friends, have, um, you know, positive social interactions, et cetera. While, you know, of course, on the other end of the spectrum, there's people who are maybe more social drinkers uh, and oftentimes are, you know, maybe just feeling like it's a once a month thing, but still don't like how they feel. Right. It is absolutely a progressive, you know, situation where, again, the more we're putting alcohol in our body, the more we're training our brain and our body to need and essentially uh, want and need Mm-hmm. to have alcohol, to feel better, to feel right. like we're functioning at a, at a normal, um, basis because our yeah. body starts to change its biochemistry in order to support that because we're putting the alcohol in, it's got to get it out in a certain way. Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of the work, especially in nutrition that has been done is more in the addiction standpoint. Mm-hmm. So it's, right. you know, once someone has, a severe enough B1 deficiency that they have psychosis, mm-hmm. then it's addressed. Then we're looking at it. But again, there are all these ways in which we may be setting ourselves up again through the diet that we have, through our experiences that we've had earlier on. Again, if we've had different health situations or we've been on antibiotics for a long period of time, that changes the gut that can all play a role into how it evolves. Yeah. And what what I'll say, you know, 
for a little bit of sharing my own experience that, you know, it progressed from the social situations where, you know, I would drink on the weekends or, you know, it started to become, you know, another one day during the week. And then it was brunch on Sunday that started at 11. (laughs) What'd you do in New York? Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, the same thing is, okay, well, I was out at brunch from 11 to nine o'clock at night on a Sunday. And then I wake up the next day and someone's like, have hair of the dog because it's going to make you feel better. Yeah. Right. And so it's, it becomes this cycle that, you know, as, as the, our drinking becomes a little bit more progressive, we start to change our behaviors. Right. So we might become a little bit more isolated from people as our drinking picks up because Mm -hmm. we don't want to necessarily share with others how that's going or what have you. So there's, it's such a fascinating topic. It really is. Mm -hmm. And again, I, I think it, it ranges everywhere from the person who feels like they have an, a physical addiction and, you know, drinks daily or almost daily, yeah. all the way down to someone who maybe only drinks a few times a year, but when they do, they're overdoing it. So there mm-hmm. is rationale and reason behind all of those different pieces mm-hmm. of our puzzle. And that's what I like to do in the work that I'm doing is help to identify, okay, based on how you're drinking and how you're feeling it being unmanageable, how do we start to make changes in that biochemical piece for you that can help you manage that social situation, that can help you manage that stress situation differently? Or if you're drinking daily or almost daily, that's a little bit different of a scenario because then we're talking about more severe nutrient deficiencies. We're talking about more severe damage from that long-term alcohol use, Mm -hmm. um, which interestingly enough today, I was actually reading about, um, you know, that, that social interaction and how many of us have that almost blueprint that when we're around certain people or when we're in certain environments that we kind of get a little, you know, out of control or we can't stop once we've started. And some of that is how our dopamine systems recognize pleasure. Mm -hmm. And so if we are regularly associating alcohol with pleasure and fun, other pleasurable experiences don't feel as pleasurable. Right. So so it's almost about rewiring your brain to say, oh, actually this is more fun and doing this for more fun instead of always tying that to alcohol. Right. And and how, how, how would someone actually cut back on the alcohol without feeling like they're missing out or they're feeling deprived and then And then even like with what foods or nutrition, how can that actually help to supplement that? Yeah. So I think for a lot of people, it's very exploratory. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, what's going on in your life? How is alcohol affecting you on a regular basis? Is it something that, again, is more social and we have to maybe manage it by, again, supporting some of those neurotransmitters, how we are experiencing pleasure? And some of that is through, you know, doing more uh, other modalities too, like maybe meditation or exercise and some of those other things outside of just food. But one of the big things that I like to do is, you know, address those different areas for people. So if we're talking about our blood sugar and our hormones, if we're talking about gut health, if we're talking about brain health, and again, starting to identify okay, based on the way that you're drinking, here's the biochemical systems that are out of balance, right? And this is where it gets more into that personalized or customized approach to say, maybe my experience, Wendy, is different than yours. And maybe you benefit more from eating more protein, you know, eating breakfast in the morning. So not doing intermittent fasting, balancing your stress, balancing your hormone levels, Whereas if I had a, a daily or almost daily habit, for me, it's more about supporting the gut, replenishing nutrients, mm-hmm. getting to the bottom of why you know that addiction had progressed in the way that it did, creating new habits and new patterns around how I socialize, how I relieve stress, how I uh, interact in my social settings, for example. Right. So it is, um, you know, there's a lot of different tips and tricks. And one thing that I, you know, tell people most simply is, again, kind of what I suggested to you of protein at every meal. Mm -hmm. When 
So we are avoiding that low blood sugar drop, especially, you know, that 5 p.m. time when happy hour rolls around or we're at the end of a stressful day. Sometimes when you're writing that food journal, you can really see that, oh, wow, I skipped breakfast. I had a sandwich and French fries for lunch, so a high-carb lunch. I was crashing by 2 p.m., so I had a coffee and a donut. And then at 5 p.m., I couldn't turn away a glass of wine. Well, that might be because you're riding this blood sugar up and down, up and down all day. And then when when 5 p.m. rolls around, you're at the bottom of a blood sugar dip. And the only way to get through that is to boost it through sugar, carbs, or alcohol. And so sometimes when that craving kicks in, it's simply a matter of, can I have something to eat? Mm -hmm. Can I, um, you know, grab a quick snack before I would add in a drink to see, does that make my craving go away? Right. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's as simple as that. And I know on a previous podcast, I mentioned with one client I worked with, we had her on a Friday at 5 p.m. make a cheese plate, like something that was a little more fun and special, you know, put out like a little spread of of snacks that still felt like celebratory weekends, end of the day experience. But it was a high protein snack that again, you know, she had with a little seltzer and some, you know, some- Yeah, a little neuroassociation. Yeah. Yeah. And so sometimes it's just breaking those patterns and it's, you know, the way that we use nutrition can be useful on a short-term basis like that, but also is important over the long term to Mm -hmm. restructure how your gut is functioning, replenish those nutrients and to support you on more of a longer term playing field. I love it. I love that uh, you're taking this approach of it being kind of, you know, it's custom. So it's that everybody, everybody is different. So it's like what works for one person may not work for another. So I think it's great that you're doing that. So tell everyone where they can find you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Wendy. So I do have uh, a website, brookscheller.com. It's B-R-O-O-K-E-S-C-H-E-L-L-E-R.com. A little tricky spelling there in the last name, but <laughs> Wendy will link it in the uh, Yeah, in the yeah. I'll put that I'm in sure. the show notes for sure. Uh, on my website, you can find out more about me. I also have uh, currently one online course with a few others in development. Right now, I'm offering a seven-day alcohol and gut reset. So oh, nice. that's a really great program to start to dive into how alcohol affects the gut, especially helpful for people who know that maybe they have a gut imbalance and maybe that is associated with alcohol. It also has a lot of education about gut health and microbiome. Uh, leaky gut and those things as well. Nice. Um, you can follow me on my Instagram at Brooke Scheller, dr. Brooke Scheller, and that's where I post a lot of tips and tricks and a lot of those kind of one-off associations of remember to eat your protein, you know, do these <laughs> different things, eat these different foods for your gut. So that's always a great place to follow me for for the good daily tips and tricks. And for podcast listeners, I do offer a special guide. So at my website, brookscheller.com forward slash podcast, mm-hmm. um, I have a special guide that is um, my top three supplements to support sobriety, Ooh, which is I special like for podcast listeners. So that's another okay. great one where people are kind of saying, well, I also know supplements are part of this, which are, are maybe helpful for me to add. And yeah. so it's a quick guide on that. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Well, I'll, and I'll definitely put that in the show notes and uh, I'm going to check it out myself. So yeah, <laughs> I, like, I love to, I do. I'm, I'm all about taking supplements that I actually just ordered some more today. I might be a little bit of a supplement junkie, but <laughs> you know, it's funny. I think a lot of us in this space end up that way because I think what a lot of people don't understand just last note on the supplements is mm-hmm. I think in some ways we think, ah, multivitamin, ah, I'm eating yeah. well enough, but there is a lot of ways that we can use specific nutrients, specific things like omega-3s, for example, yes, to support the brain, yes. to support the gut. And so there are some really great ways to use them um, from a functional perspective. So yeah, it, all it, that good it's stuff. It's supplements. Supplemental. Supplements. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I'm working on a lot of really cool things and things I hopefully can announce more about soon. Yeah. That, um, we'll have to have know, you back. I think we'll, yes, absolutely. I would love to be back anytime and um, would love for any of, of your listeners to reach out and 
yeah. uh, see how I might be able to help if they feel like they resonated with this today. I love it. You're so awesome. Thank you. Ah, Thank you. <laughs> you're awesome, Wendy. Thank you so much for having me. Stay in touch. And now for the nuggets of midlife wisdom from today's show. Number one, having protein at every meal helps you to better balance your blood sugar and stave away low blood sugar dips. Number two, women have greater challenges with intermittent fasting because of hormonal fluctuations. Number three, it all starts in the gut. The gut sends signals to the brain and the brain is then sending signals to the rest of the body. Number four, alcohol shifts the microbiome balance towards more of the bad bacteria, which can in turn signal cravings for alcohol. Number five, alcohol contributes to leaky gut syndrome. Number six, alcohol contributes to anxiety and depressive type of symptoms. And finally, number seven, the more you put alcohol in your body, the more you are training your brain and body to want and need alcohol to feel better. Wow. Dr. Brooke, you are so amazing. I loved our conversation. Thank you for being a guest on the show. And I'm so glad that you made all these awesome discoveries on the effects of alcohol in your own body so that you were able to teach all of us what you learned. Midlifers, make sure you check out the show notes for links to Dr. Brooks' website and social media pages. Plus, download Dr. Brooks' free sobriety supplement guide created just for you at brooksheller.com slash podcast. I just downloaded it and I already ordered my supplements. Oh yeah, I'm way ahead of ya. If you'd like to see this interview on video, Please subscribe to the Midlife Makeover Show YouTube channel. And if you're not already, make sure you follow me on Instagram at Wendy underscore Valentine underscore, where it's always a party on my page. And the party is about to get louder too, because the Midlife Makeover Show will be going live on Instagram every week. The cool thing about Instagram Lives is that you can meet new guests live on the show. You can ask questions and you can even come up on stage to be a guest on the show. How cool is that? They are so much fun. One more thing before I let you go. If you are interested in receiving a free midlife makeover and be coached by me, myself, and I, then please email me ASAP at hello at wendyvalentine.com. Thanks for listening to today's show. Now get out there and be bold, be free, and be you. Did this podcast inspire you, challenge you, trigger you to make a change, or make you spit out your coffee laughing? Good. Then there are a few ways you can thank me. Number one, you can leave a written review of this podcast on Apple iTunes. Number two, you can take a screenshot of the episode and share it onto social media and tag me, Wendy Valentine. Number three, share it with another midlifer who needs a makeover. You know who I'm talking about. Okay, friend, I am so grateful for you, and I can't wait to hear from you. Cheers from the RV. Here's to taking the road less traveled.